Walking through this beautiful, albeit brutal, and scorching landscape has gotten me thinking. Where did we go wrong in life? I tend to think it was the day we signed that contract with Cryocore. No, not that. It's just amazing what life can be like. One minute we're taking care of travelers in torpor, the next we're walking around in incredibly excessive heat. You know, we haven't actually done any work in recent weeks. Well, Cryocore has placed us on more of a temporary administrative position at the moment. We're all important and necessary cogs in the great machine. Well, my machine could go for some pizza right now. But even more than that, I would settle for water. What do you think the temperature is right now? If I were to venture a guess, probably 20 degrees Celsius. Though some sections are substantially lower according to the ship scans. Low pollen count and humidity. Hmm. I was just thinking that wouldn't have sounded so bad on ancient Earth. You know, before global warming and everything. (laughs) Strangely enough... Some countries still use what they call the standard system for units of measurement. Everyone else used metric. The whole system is based on units of 10. I know, right? It took until the Uranus revolution of 2345 to convince the rest of them to convert to the metric system. I'm sure all those metric tons of waste coming out of Uranus was very unsettling to see by many space travelers. I can only imagine. So how much further? Do you think we'll come across a deserted operational pod that we can cool down in? Unlikely but it could definitely help with the heat. Did you ever read the textbooks in training? I didn't even listen to hyperpoint presentations. Did you ever notice I always sat behind you on test days? I'm going to pretend I didn't hear that. And for penance, I'm going to teach you some interesting facts about torpor while we walk. Please don't. Do you know the coldest recorded temperature a traveler in torpor ever reached? I really don't want to know. Five degrees Celsius. Just above freezing. That was a sightseeing trip following Haley's Comet. That is before the comet was destroyed. His core temperature was down to 5 degrees? Did he have any residual effects? Well, he was thawed perfectly, but I heard he occasionally had random shivering fits for the rest of his life. But that's nothing compared to this new virus. The Frosties? Those guys have to be miserable. Oh man, I just had a distant memory surface. Makes me think of that experimental Parkinson's crossover treatment I read about. They tried to cure Parkinson's in dementia with one of those treatments. Well, of course, that was before genetically engineered and DNA-specific antigenic medicine was developed. Oh, of course. Somewhat barbaric what medicine was before the human genome was reevaluated in the 2100s. This treatment actually gave a handful of patients instant hypothermia. Some of them had their fingers and toes literally fall off before they even left the medical clinic. Talk about adverse reaction. So you do read. Of course I read. Just not textbooks. Especially not textbooks about torpor. Well, how about an audiobook? A couple bites fell from the ship as we crashed. These things are everywhere. All right, but I'm not lugging that portable reader around. We'll trade off. And that's why I chose to top my cheese pizza with iron filings. I know that stomach acid is strong enough to dissolve steel, and I don't have to take an iron supplement. I'm pretty sure the supplements, although not regulated, are probably still way safer. And we're back! Uh, Broadcasting from our studio on the pale blue dot we call Earth, we have a great short for you today. We certainly do. Today we're talking about hypothermia. Ooh, gives me the shivers. Oh, it's chilly. 
Mm-hmm. Now, the American author, Jeff Kinney, said, when I was on the swim team as a kid, I used to hide out from my coach by going into the bathroom and hiding out in one of the stalls. And I would literally wrap myself in toilet paper so as not to get hypothermia. That's a little unsettling. <laughs> the kid was dedicated. Mm-hmm. Now, hypothermia can be defined as a core body temperature below 35 degrees Celsius or 95 degrees American. Mm-hmm. The standard system, right? The best system. We'll never get onto metric. Why would you use metric? It's too complicated. Well, it's a base of 10. Too complicated. Oh. Well, there are a whole bunch of symptoms associated with hypothermia. Do you want to know them? Yeah. What does it look like? All right. Well, I'm going to list them off to you. List. Are you ready? List away. Okay. So some symptoms include shivering, which may stop once hypothermia progresses. That's not a good sign. When you stop shivering, that's when you know like you're in the red. You are about to die. Yes. There's hypopnea. Ooh, what that? that sounds fancy. What does that mean? Mm-hmm. So hypopnea is when you're not breathing properly. Oh, okay. Yeah. There's confusion, altered mental status, drowsiness, exhaustion, basically what we suffer on a day-to-day basis sometimes with work. Slurred speech, basically what we suffer when we're actually off of work at the bar. Yeah. Difficulty Two. with fine motor skills, bradycardia, or your heart rate going pretty slowly. And in severe cases, there are paradoxical feelings of being overheated and the inflicted will actually remove clothing thinking that they're getting too hot. This all sounds like you've had too much whiskey, my friend. Not enough, actually. (laughs) In an infant's cold, bright red skin and an unusual lethargy. Lethargy. What is lethargy? Basically, slowing of movement, Ah. sluggishness, torpor. Maybe. Oh, torpor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're cold and not moving much. Exactly. That sounds familiar. Yeah. Now, if it goes to the extreme end of hypothermia. Extreme! All the way to the end. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Extreme cold shivering at your local cryo center. So instead of Bigfoot, it'll be Bluefoot? Yeah. Blackfoot eventually? Maybe. You never know. (laughs) Okay. Stranger things have happened. Now, this can happen by itself, um, or these symptoms can happen by themselves, or they can happen in conjunction with hypothermia. So these are not necessarily just symptoms of hypothermia. They Mm -hmm. they can have another reason. Uh, Trench foot is a good example. Uh, That is when your foot normally, or uh, any part of your body really, but normally it's an extremity, and normally it's due to walking in water. But it's repeated exposure to water. Now, this does not happen in freezing temperatures. This happens in just any kind of water. Hmm. Do you know where trench foot came from? The trenches? Yeah. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) Good one. Nice. Yeah. Zing. (laughs) Bazinga. So in World War I, they had to change out their boots consistently because their boots had gotten so waterlogged that that would actually cause more medical leave than the actual infighting. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Walking around in water is more dangerous than being shot at. Yeah. Or bombed. Mm-hmm. Or stabbed with a bayonet. Yeah. Because if you would think about, like, being in the trenches for a long period of time and not moving around, like, that standing water would essentially become, like, disgusting. Just like... Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because I'm sure people went to the bathroom in that water. Mm-hmm. I mean, where else are you going to go if you're in a trench? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, you go in a latrine. A latrine is basically a trench. That's true. Yeah. They were fighting in latrines? Well, I, I like to think <laughs> that they were probably fighting, like, off to the latrines. Oh, that's a horrible thought. I'm glad. We're not in that kind of war anymore. What, what kind of other extreme symptoms? <laughs> Let's get back to what hypothermia or uh, associated symptoms might look like. Mm-hmm. So frost nip, that is the cooling of tissue only at the superficial depth. So the most uh, the, the most outward layers of skin. Uh, and it does not result in cell damage. Oh, thank God. Now, if you get frostbite, 
That's the same thing as frost nip, but there's actually some cellular destruction. So some of the cells on the surface of your skin may die. So I have some interesting facts about frostbite according to the Mount Everest uh, expedition guide. Lay them on me. Yep. So they say that if you get frostbite, it's supposed to be thawed and cooled water slowly and then heated to lukewarm. You don't want to put it into hot water immediately. That would probably hurt like the Dickens. It would hurt like the Dickens. So if you thaw it out before circulation has been able to reperfuse the fingers, then the tissue is actually going to die almost immediately from oxygen deprivation. Wow. Yeah. That would also hurt like the Dickens. (laughs) (laughs) It would be pretty bad. In addition to thawing, you also need to administer antibiotics. And the actual damage takes up to three months to assess. Another interesting fact is that a lot of climbers carry ginkgo biloba with them. You know why? So they don't lose their memory? I don't remember. I probably need more ginkgo. But ginkgo also is incredibly helpful at expanding fine capillaries. And then that, along with drinking a whole bunch of fluid, would be essential in order to reperfuse those fingers hmm. and so toes. You, you keep everything flowing throughout your whole body, mm-hmm. basically your extremities and everything. Go with the flow. All right. Yeah. Now, there are also uh, things known as chill blains or... You just made that up. <laughs> it sounds like a magician, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Chill blains. Street magic. Let's go watch Chill Blaine. He's Mm -hmm. freezing himself tonight. (laughs) Uh, Chill Blaine's or Pernio. uh, Some of you may also know those two as chill blisters. These come from repeated exposure to near freezing temperatures. So not necessarily, again, hypothermia. Could be um, you're getting close to hypothermia or it could just be something altogether a different situation. But doesn't have to be actual freezing temperatures. Maybe if you stick your hand in a vat of liquid nitrogen several times. Yeah, over and over. Yeah. till it stops hurting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it can cause, or this does cause uh, permanent damage to the capillary beds in your skin. So if you get like a, a white nodule on your nose, like when you do this, the silly thing people do where they stick their face in a bed of snow to uh, to lay, leave the imprint of your face, mm-hmm. that could definitely cause chill blains. Oh, wow. Um. Uh, it typically occurs in the extremities. Your nose would be the extremity in that case. Uh, the skin turns red and itches uh, with each ex- new exposure to cold from basically the rest of your life, from what I was seeing in that one spot. Um, and if the blisters become ulcerated, they are known as kibes or kibes. I think it's kibes, K-I-B-E-S. Kibbies? Kibbles, Could be kibbies. Kibbles and bits? Kibbles and bits. Mm-hmm. Uh, they kind of look like blisters. Now just think about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, This may be idiopathic, which means uh, we don't know where it comes from, or it could be related to other congenital diseases. Uh, Raynaud's. I actually thought that I had Raynaud's at one point. Did you? Yeah. So I was taking a test and I was so nervous that when I went to the bathroom, I noticed that my fingers had turned purple and white. And I was like, that's, that's a, a sign sim- of Raynaud's. That's a sign of Raynaud's. Yeah. But it hasn't done it since then. So I thought like maybe like when I get like really nervous, like- the you're shunting your blood away. I shunt my blood away from my fingers, <laughs> which isn't helpful because you got to take a test with your hands. I can't write anymore. <laughs> I'm incapable of answering the questions. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Raynaud's could also uh, cause chilblains or chilblains could be caused by Raynaud's. Uh, lupus could uh, cause It's never them. lupus according to the house. It's never lupus. Yeah. Vasculitis, uh, which are is inflammation in your, normally in your smaller blood vessels. Uh, frostbite and trench foot can also worsen these. Uh, and of course the newest thing are the COVID toes. Hmm. When someone has COVID and, you know, it causes all kinds of like clotting issues. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So that could happen in your toes. Co-toes. So Charlie, what what can cause or what can make you more susceptible to hypothermia? You know, I'm really glad you asked me that. Good. I'm about to tell you. Awesome. There's a lot of risk factors out there. A lot? Mm-hmm. I only see five. Well, I'm going to lay them on. <laughs> Get ready. Here they Let's come. do it. The risk factors include malnourishment, old age, babies in cold rooms. That's a risk factor. Another risk factor includes people exposed to cold temperatures for a very long period of time. Example, hitchhikers, hikers, maybe hitchers, homeless, hunters, basically anything that starts with an H. Oh, <laughs> I never, I didn't notice that. There they are. Like yeah. This. Alliteration aside. <laughs> <laughs> Anyone outside for a while. Yeah. Also, those who drink uh, alcohol or drug use causes extreme vasodilation in certain points where you feel very warm. I mean, a lot of people will drink alcohol in order to keep warm. Yeah, it's like the, the old cartoon with the dog that brings the brandy to warm you up. That actually really does not work. It makes it worse, if anything. Yeah, it redistributes your blood supply from your core down to your periphery. Right. Mm-hmm. So you feel like you're warmer, but you're not. Yeah, your skin gets warm, but your internal, your core temperature actually is dropping because mm-hmm. it's carrying heat to the surface of your body. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially where the ice-cold heart dwells. That needs to be rewarmed with love. Love conquers all, mm-hmm. even hypothermia. Speaking of things, Eliza Coop, an American actress, once said, I cannot feel my legs from the waist down any longer. But who cares? I look good, and that's all that matters. And when I die of hypothermia for wearing formal shorts in winter, tell them to put that on my tombstone. And they did. Sounds like a heck of a girl. Actually, did they think, really? They no, put I, that think, I think she's still alive. Oh, okay. <laughs> they will. Hopefully. Yeah, but that's a lot to put on a tombstone, though. <laughs> So what happens when we're cold? What happens when we reach the level of nearing hypothermia? Well, uh, everyone probably has shivered, right? That's muscle contraction um, due to uh, the body trying to generate heat. Don't forget your heart is a muscle, so your heart will pump faster, also trying to generate a little bit of heat. Now, this heat is mostly lost through the skin, but your lungs actually humidify the air we breathe. When you inhale, uh, it humidifies it to absorb particles. And then when you exhale, that humidity leaves with the air that you're blowing out. So a little bit of heat is actually lost through respiration. Kind of like your soul escaping. Yeah. Yeah. Well, kind of. Mm -hmm. When you shoot a man in the winter just to watch him die. Whoa. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now. That took a hard left. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Um, Size matters. Because larger people have a smaller body surface area to weight ratio. Mm. So they lose heat uh, a little bit slower than smaller people. Um, well, that's why it's integrally, imp- not integrally. Integral. Yeah, very important. It's very important to make sure that you keep neonates, infants, toddlers warm, especially during surgery, right? Right. Well, they also use something called brown fat. Uh, you and I have white fat. Uh, very little brown fat. I think around our heart and our thymus gland, there's still a little bit of brown fat. Mm-hmm. But babies uh, consume brown fat when, instead of shivering because they haven't developed the shivering reflex yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when they start burning brown fat, that's very bad for their metabolism. It's very bad for their uh, their heat loss. It yeah, because it's really essentially quickly. like their final fat reserves. 
Right. That's all they've got left. Yeah. So skinny people, um, for, for whatever reason, um, or not for whatever reason, but for the fact that they are thinner, they lose heat much more quickly than larger people. And it's because larger people have fat reserves. They have insulation, if you will. Um, there's, I've got a little bit of insulation. Oh, I've definitely got some I've insulation. I've been working on it. <laughs> it's something we all have to work on. Mm-hmm. But they're, the the surface area of the body, the covering of their body in relation to how much they weigh and how much mass they have is much smaller compared to thinner people. Absolutely fascinating. It's incredible. Uh, organs basically slow uh, once you get cold enough and then shut down due to the lack of perfusion or the lack of blood flow to those organs. Uh, your nervous system, the lungs, and your kidneys are all really susceptible to the lack of perfusion. Kidneys probably some of the first things to go when you stop giving blood flow because they're a filter. And if you're not supplying the filtrate, they they kind of die pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, like you have to constantly keep it perfused. It's one of the major organs in the body that receives the majority of the blood supply. Yeah. Along with uh, the liver and the brain. Yeah. Fairly useful. Yeah. So... Dorinda Jones had once said, hypothermia, that's what they called it. I called it being freaking alive, and I couldn't have been more grateful. I want to hang out with her. She sounds like a cool chick. Cool chick. And... Dead up. <laughs> uh, cool person, level-headed, but there's also the myth of the hothead. Have you heard about that? The hothead? Isn't yeah. That, the, the candy, the red... Those are red hots. Red hots, not... Okay. Yeah. Continue. Mm-hmm. So heat is not lost mostly through the head, although what? some people think it is. I think it is. Unless you're a baby. Mm. Not trying to be derisive. I mean, like, unless you're a baby, like, that's actually true. Yeah. yeah. They lose. Well, their heads are so big. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Surface area. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the myth came from a military experiment in the 1950s in which subjects were exposed to cold temperatures with their heads exposed. You know, because, like, that's what you did in the 50s. Yeah. Let's that, stick them in the ground. black and, and white TV. <laughs> leave their heads exposed. Yeah. And you talk like this, right? It was a much different time. They, yeah, had, they ran the newspaper dailies. We were and winning the war. The moving pictures. The I'm moving go, pictures, I tell you. I want to be a moving picture well, Actually, it was post-war because it's the 50s, yeah. So this experiment was revisited in the 2000s and shows that the head was proportionate to the rest of the body. As far as heat loss. As far as heat loss is concerned. So, so Charlie, there are actual medical benefits for hypothermia. Oh, thank God. It was. Actually, I thought it was just a really bad thing. Well, not necessarily. Most things have a silver lining. This has a pretty good one. Uh, it was actually used in ancient Greece when patients had trauma or when they were bleeding a lot, uh, hemorrhaging, if you will. Currently, we use it for post-cardiac arrest if someone's heart stops and they've had CPR performed for whatever reason. Uh, we normally cool their body temperature. It helps uh, preserve their brain. It's neuroprotective. Um, post-head injury for the same reason. Uh, and if uh, newborn babies have swelling in their brain or swelling in their head, uh, extra fluid in their head, uh, they use hypothermia for that as well. All for the same reason. It's neuroprotective. It helps protect the brain. And the way it does that is it reduces the amount of oxygen needed to run the brain, basically. Uh, and it reduces that amount by 7% for each degree Celsius. Well, it's roughly 1.8 degrees American. America. America. Now, it also decreases the intracranial pressure, that's the, the pressure inside your skull that's pressing on your brain, uh, due to cerebral vasoconstriction. So could that pressure get pretty high? Oh, yeah, it could get incredibly mind, mind-bogglingly high. Mm. Um, that's giving me a headache. <laughs> uh, inflammation is suppressed, so uh, 
irritation and uh, redness if it were on the skin. Uh, that happens inside your body as well, but that's suppressed. Uh, it decreases the production of free radicals. Now, that's debatable if that is helpful. Um, uh, you've heard of the acai berry, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's great yeah. for a great antioxidant, all that stuff. Uh, read a great article, or maybe it was a podcast. I can't remember. Uh, it was a, a very uh, reliable source, though, that said free radicals are not necessarily a bad thing, but they're also not necessarily a good thing. Oh, you don't want to keep them in prison, do you? Well, maybe. Depends. Mm, I don't know. I don't Depends on which part of your body. Really. Incarcerated radicals? <laughs> <laughs> but no, they're, uh, they can be good or bad. It's pretty much like everything else. Moderation is the key. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter if it decreases free radical uh, production. Maybe, maybe not. Now, there are side effects when you put someone into a hypothermic state. Uh, it increases the metabolic demand. Therefore, you have to increase the cardiac output, and that uh, causes a catecholamine surge or is the result of a catecholamine surge. So epinephrine, norepinephrine, those things are ramping up. Increases your blood pressure, makes your heart race. Increased risk of stroke, um, things like that, or internal bleeding. Uh, there is a risk of pneumonia because of uh, it, it, the difficulty in setting a ventilator, because you normally have someone pretty sedated if you're going to put them into a hypothermic state. No one would go into it willingly if they were awake. So setting the ventilator for this kind of... Um, metabolism is, is kind of difficult. It also decreases your immune function, so it makes you more susceptible to infection. I uh, also detect a disturbance in the electrolytes. Yes, yes. The electrolytes all become disturbed uh, because of altered diuresis, which is basically making of urine uh, and passing water and things through the, through the kidneys. So I got some cool facts. I see what you did there. Mm-hmm. Time to chill, Batman. That was my Mr. Freeze. One of the best villains of all time. Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> Gonna put you on ice. Is, what was his first name? Victor. Victor Freeze. Victor I'm Von Freeze. Oh, is it Victor Freeze? Yeah. Yeah, there's no Von. That's Von Doom. Von Doom. Yeah. yeah. Dr. Doom. Mm-hmm. What was his first name? Uh, I want to say Jeff. Sounds right. Yeah. Anyway, cool facts. Tell cool me some facts. Cool facts. Cool, 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 cool facts. 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 Cool facts. Facts that are cool. Chill. We're doing a banner run right now. Continue. Yeah. <laughs> so the coldest recorded temperature is 13.7 degrees Celsius for an individual. So this was a Norwegian skier that was trapped under the ice, found clinically dead, but he was resuscitated and returned to work as a doctor. A doctor on ice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> With no chill whatsoever. Well, did you know you can actually get hypothermia indoors? You don't have to actually go to a lake to get it. What? Mm-hmm. Fun fact. Hypothermia indoors is possible, especially if you're susceptible to the cold. So around 600 people or so die from hypothermia in the U.S. every year. And the number is rising. Unsure why, but possible it's a uh, previous underreporting in uh, news articles and news settings. Okay. So now we're realizing more and more people are dying from hypothermia specifically, as opposed to in the past it may not have been considered hypothermia that killed the the people. Yeah, mislabeled as exposure or natural causes. Ah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Now, Charlie, there's an interesting story about a teenager in Italy a few years ago. He survived being underwater for 42 minutes. Uh, that's where the expression not dead until warm and dead comes from. That's about the average length of one of our episodes. Not dead until warm and dead? No, oh, 42, 42. minutes. <laughs> 
That makes way more sense. Okay. Uh, this guy jumped off. Someone of, needs some neuroprotective. Uh, yes. Right now. It is a little warm in the studio today. Um, this kid jumped off the bridge and he got his foot stuck under a rock. Now, he was mechanically ventilated for a month afterwards, but he completely recovered. He had no deficits or anything. So hypothermia most likely played a big role in uh, protecting his neurons in his brain. Now, if you do develop hypothermia, um, or if you think someone else that you know has hypothermia, call EMS, call 911 immediately. Uh, It can kill pretty quickly. Yeah, within about 30 minutes of... Very, very extreme cold temperatures. You can probably die from hypothermia, right? Right. With the delirium onset, things like that. And especially if a patient starts removing their clothing, they're very close to, to death. Um, move them slowly because they have the electrolyte imbalances. So if you move them quickly, you can shift the electrolytes and cause dysrhythmias in their heart. So they're basically like an etch-a-sketch. Etch- <laughs> yeah, that's one way to think of it. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to destroy the picture, so you got to like really... don't shake it. Don't, don't shake don't the shake baby. it. Yeah, I spent a lot of time on this picture. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> well, boop, boop, boop. Um, remove any wet clothing if they've been exposed to water and they're cold. Wrap them in warm blankets. Uh, basically, anything that's dry. Just wrap them up. Try to warm them, but don't don't do it too quickly, as you talked about earlier. But make sure that you get them reasonably warm. Fairly quickly. Because you want a slow reperfusion. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, George R.R. R. Martin, you may have heard of him. He's the guy who wrote Game of Thrones, famous American author. Who? That guy. He said, nothing burns like the cold, but only for a while. Then it gets inside you and starts to fill you up. And after a while, you don't have the strength to fight it. The North remembers. <laughs> And that's our short. We hope you enjoyed it. Remember, we exist within the universe. And the universe exists within ourself. We're all the stuff of stars. So have a stellar day, everyone. And thanks for stopping by our corner of the cosmos. This has been the Mid-Flight Crisis Podcast. You can support important spaceship repairs and maintenance by subscribing to the Mid-Flight Crisis Patreon page. We'd love to hear your suggestions about the show and future topics, and we appreciate your support, ratings, and reviews. This endeavor isn't possible without amazing listeners like you. Thanks for sharing your space and time with us. We'll see you on our next adventure. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Drop us a line at intrepidtransfer at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.